Twitter is toxic. Don't don't pay attention to that. Never tweet. Hundred percent. Hello, welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to NFL. Uh, big news: Josh Gordon appears to now be the entirety of the show, thanks to Harry and his uh, fantasy football drafting strategy. And um, we'll try and fit in some news oh, around. That's fine. Yeah, we'll try and fit in some news around week two and the upcoming games as well. So, hey guys, we got Connor here. We got Fitz. Hello. And we got Harry. Josh Gordon. Yeah. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Hello, and welcome to, go to on. All Four Josh Gordons, your one-stop shop for all things Josh Gordon. Yeah, that's certainly, so our, our, our spreadsheet that we used to track all of our details on has now been, everything has been renamed to Josh Gordon themed areas and the entire thing is now covered in pictures of it because Harry is a little bit excited. Uh, Harry has already decided that he's ordering his Josh Gordon uh, jersey as soon as he gets a jersey number, so you can guess. Well, as soon as Brady gets a new jersey number. Oh, so he's just going to take Brady's number? I going to take Brady's number, yeah. Okay, very good. How about yourself, it's any crack? Nothing quite as exciting as that, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I think 42 would be a good number for Josh Gordon, personally. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I believe there was a joke about that, that is, uh, the, 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 the deal was signed at like, uh, 4.15 and said they couldn't have waited five more minutes. <laughs> what about yourself, Harry? Any crack? Uh, not much. Uh, it's actually, I'm actually tired out from how excited I was about Josh Gordon last night. I was recording on the Tuesday. So did all, of your, all, all, all of your disgusting text messages suggested yeah, that, yes. Yeah, there were a lot of aubergine emojis uh, sent out <laughs> into the wild there. Uh, but not much other. Uh, just a, a slight note, because it's something we've mentioned on the podcast before, because it was a big deal. It's something to do with football, but the uh, 36th Amendment to the Constitution Bill was signed today, meaning the 8th Amendment is officially repealed. So that's a nice day in the history of Ireland. But uh, like only, you know, it only done today, because if they'd done it yesterday, it would have just been drowned out by the Josh Gordon noise. Yeah, of course, so, of course. Yeah. And I suppose we'll kick off right there, the Josh Gordon news. So Cleveland have decided, in their infinite wisdom, to get rid of Josh Gordon. He, I believe, was late to the practice facility on the Saturday or something and injured his hamstring at a photo shoot. So they decided that they didn't trust him anymore, so they were going to get rid of him. Uh, and then they realised, hold on, that's incredibly stupid but didn't realize how stupid it was he just said well we'll trade him instead and they decided (laughs) that they will trade him to the new england patriots for a fifth round pick and if he doesn't play 10 games or more for them they get a seventh round pick back for him so obviously this is this is the answer to the question we received from one of the listeners about how will the browns browns it up this week (laughs) um this is how they will do it. This is a player who was exceptional talent, hasn't played a full season. I don't think he even played a full season in 2013. He just played most of the season. He looked good in the limited snaps that he got, had that one catch for a touchdown in week one. All the potential in the world, but you know, there's obviously the risk of if he gets caught with drugs, he's gone forever uh, and all that kind of stuff. So is this a fair compensation for the risk? And why the fuck would the Browns do this? I like... I have, uh, yeah, like it's not really a big deal. Like most fifth round picks don't make and out of camp anyway. Let's be honest. So I think this is a this is a great deal for New England. I'm very surprised that another team did, weren't able to come in or weren't willing to come in over the top of this because they said they wanted to trade him to the NFC. There were indications that his preferred landing location was either going to be San Francisco or Dallas. But, but like those teams didn't seem to be particularly interested. The Eagles were the other team we heard were very, very interested, but didn't seem to be willing to give up enough. And the, uh, the Washingtons. Very, yeah, and the Mazungus. Uh, but look, are we really surprised about the Mazungus missing out on no. this? Like, I mean, they're totally incompetent. But this was an also that would have been, can you think of a worse team for him to land on, like, given all of his personal problems and that shit show of an organization? But very surprised at the value. Yes, there's a huge amount of risk involved, but I, I just feel like if New England were bidding a fifth and what we know now was originally going to be a sixth, 
but then Ewing didn't have a sixth round pick, so they sort of worked out this thing the fifth with potentially a pick coming back. Yeah, well, normally New England fifths are essentially the equivalent of sixths. Yeah, exactly. So. And I, I don't understand why another team didn't outbid them. I'm delighted by it. I think this is a fantastic landing spot for him, not just because I'm a Pats fan, but also because when you talk about like the red flags, the potential things, if there is a team that is going to have the structure and discipline in place, it's probably going to be the Patriots. There are you're making a face if that face is Aaron Hernandez like I mean come on there's only so much you can do but like realistically from an organizational perspective you look at how some of the other teams are run how some of the other teams are mishandled players like Washington being an example with the Sue Cravens thing mm-hmm. talk about like Des Bryant in Dallas that situation was mishandled for a very 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 long time so I think this is gives him as good a chance as anywhere and I'm, I'm just this is mad that Cleveland did it like I, I don't understand you stuck by this guy for six years and then after he's like out of rehab and is clean now as far as we can tell then the mere suspicion of something is enough to get rid of it and I don't know what Dorsey was thinking uh, maybe just the Clevelandness of the whole thing has got to him but it just seemed like a very odd move particularly as you say because they initially announced they were going to cut him and then we're like, oh, wait, fuck, why did we do that? Why did we just train him yeah. instead? I just, I, I don't really get this, to be honest. Like you said, like, they stuck around with him for so long. They held on to him. Like, unless they always wanted to get rid of him and they just wanted to have the week one to showcase he can still play and then see what they can get. And, like, that's why they had him on a snap count and all that kind of stuff. But, like, obviously it means that they weren't probably never really into him and planning to have him there long term but um yeah it just doesn't make a huge amount of sense to myself surely the surely the seahawks should have considered putting a fifth for this guy no brandon marshall's uh, infinitely superior to John. <laughs> <laughs> excellent no like yeah like I, I i'm surprised both of you i think the one thing about this which would be interesting to see is how quickly he's brought up to, to play there's a there was talk there that the the base offense that he's used to is the same as the New England, so the calls might be there. But it'll be interesting to see whether they try and throw him in straight in the deep end in New England, or whether they just kind of have him as here's a few like special plays we'll do with you, and we'll assume that because of your superior like physicality um, yeah. that you'll be able to make something of that. So obviously Harry's really excited and infinite potential from Harry's point of view, but it wouldn't be surprising if his first few weeks were you know just yeah. easing him in, seeing what he can do, and and see if he can. Uh, show the potential that he had all those years ago again yeah no of course we'll move on have a look at some of the injuries or as Harry has renamed it Josh Gordon doesn't get injuries but these losers do um, <laughs> it's easy it's, to not get injured when you're suspended yeah <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying he didn't get injured in all those games he didn't play in no, yeah. Atlanta linebacker Deion Jones is injured and he's gone to IR he is a candidate for coming back as I believe it's called the IR boomerang uh, Devonta Freeman is also out with some kind of knee injury I think it's contusion or something he'll be out for two to four weeks Jacksonville offensive tackle and Cam Robinson has torn his ACL and he's gone for the season. Joe Mixon has hurt his knee and he's gone for two to four weeks. Vernon Hargraves for the Tampa Bay, uh, who we will be discussing later on. Jesus Christ, what the fuck is going on with them? Like, that's crazy. He's IR probably gone for the season. Mike Wallace has gone for a bit. Kenneth Dixon is probably gone for the season. Josh Sitton is gone for the season. And Greg Zerline is gone for a few weeks. And just the other one would be Philadelphia have decided that uh, Carson Wentz will be coming back to play week three, so that'll be interesting. So uh, out of these guys, does anyone jump out to you? Uh, for me, the Atlanta injuries are probably the most significant. Like Deion Jones obviously kind of fits basically the prototypical idea of what a, a, a line, an off-coverage linebacker looks like in that. He plays fast, he goes uh, sideline to sideline, and obviously he's been an amazing player. And So he's obviously an integral part of that. And obviously they, they, they have other guys there, but they just won't have that same range 
and the, and the defense played okay, so we'll see how that do. I think, you know, in combination with the loss of Keanu Neal last week, it just means that the Atlanta defense is slowly being depleted. And perhaps, you know, that upper end potential we thought of maybe then being like a top five defense is maybe a little lower. I don't think they'll completely fall apart, but they'll just be a little less exciting than maybe they would have been. And Devonta Freeman, I think that's a loss. But on the other hand, Tevin Coleman has looked better at spots this season anyway. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether Tevin Coleman can take this like month-long opportunity to really show himself off. Because he's obviously Devonta Freeman's the one who got the money, uh, but Tevin Coleman will be looking for money soon too. And even if that's not going from Atlanta, this is an opportunity to really bump up his value for the upcoming free agency period. Yeah, no, of course. And the other one I'd be looking at there would be Cincinnati running back Joe Mixon being gone for two to four weeks. He's been quite integral to them. their bit of resurgence at the start of this season. Uh, we'll see what the depth behind him is like, given that New England have most of their old depth from them. Jeremy Hill's torn his ACL, so we don't anymore. Fair enough, but um, we'll see how that goes. Crime and punishment is now Josh and Gordon meant, which, to be honest, is the only one that really makes sense to me. Uh, but we've actually somehow seen to have escaped another week without too much of an incident here. So what are they doing? Probably not felonies at the moment. The Josh Gordon corner, which is the controversy corner, this is a hell of a story. So, Vontae David, cornerback for Buffalo Bills, played the first half of the game, had one or two very key plays in that game, also gave up a big uh, a big play, I think it nearly resulted in a touchdown. Got to the locker room, decided fuck this and retired middle of the game refused to come out for the second half officially announced his retirement i believe on instagram during the game but all the players were just talking about it in the field going like did you hear yeah one of the guys isn't coming out he's just retired so normally it's a bit weird normally you kind of want to go out on a high rather than like a good god everything is crumbling around me i don't want to be here anymore do we think this is a good decision do we think this is a weird what the fuck is going on in his head decision or we kind of look at this and go it's the bills it's another year putting his body through stuff if i was in his spot i'd I'd turf it in as well yeah i think the last one makes the most sense to me i mean it's a little odd for it to happen in the middle of a game but obviously he just reached the realization and this was the statement he put out as well where he was like i can't do this anymore and this is a guy very much on the downslope of his career who probably wouldn't have had that much time left anyway when you talk about the gut, you, people want to go out on a high, like, you, he knows that this is going to be another 14 games of misery if he sticks around. There isn't going to be a higher moment for him to go out on with the Buffalo Bills being what they are at the moment. So, yeah, it's kind of impulsive, but we've all had that. You know, when you're just doing something and you just go, fuck this, and you can still go into autopilot, you just walk away. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't do it in the middle of an NFL game. But it's a very human thing. Only, only because we haven't been given the that's opportunity. True, that's true. <laughs> I, think, I think I could last one snap and then I'd be like, I'm going to die. I'm going home. But um, I think like, I, I can understand where this comes from. Just the frustration of being like, what am I doing? What am I putting myself through physically and mentally? This just isn't worth it. Have that your fucking signing bonus. I'm done. Yeah. So I don't really blame him that much. I don't hold it against him that much. To I I'll, I'll ask you about this, Fitz. I, I believe I heard that like the Bills' defensive play calling in the second half got passed over to the head coach rather than the defensive coordinator. And obviously they weren't happy with what was happening and they were changing stuff up. Do you think that maybe played into it as well? That like he got a dressing down during the halftime and said, I don't need to put up with this. It didn't sound, based on the way he talked about that it was a specific reaction to that. If that's the kind of thing that was happening in the locker room at halftime or people are aware of, it's just the kind of thing that gives you, you know, just another idea that this is a dysfunctional organization. You're not winning any football. You're just coming off like a, you know, like absolutely getting hammered last week, getting hammered in the first half 
by Melvin Gordon and the Chargers. I think it's just one of those situations where a player who was probably already considering retirement in the offseason got a decent offer, I think like one year, five million. Not too bad for like a veteran like himself coming off injury. It sounds good on paper, but now he got he's two games of the season. The punishment is real. The you know the the grind is real, and he's not up for it anymore. Like the only big, big thing is that he'll probably like the Bills will probably come after him for that money. And obviously, this is like the second time the Bills have had that kind of contractual wrangling after the Richie Incognito offseason troubles. So the Bills and contracts don't seem to work out too much. So keep an eye on that just in terms of whether they recoup their money or not yeah. and how he reacts. Hopefully, he hasn't spent all that money yet because that would be a very bad situation <laughs> yeah. indeed. No, but I was say it's it's a it's interesting. He'll he'll be remembered forever for this because this is the first instance I've ever heard of this. At least at least out of like stories from like nineteen dickety six kind of thing. You know, that's mad. Uh, the only other thing that we have in the Josh Gordon corner, the controversy corner, is uh, Antonio Brown. There's a bit of news surrounding him at the moment, so he has skipped one team meeting, uh, possibly a second one as well, on Monday, and it's now Tuesday, and we're only getting reports in. He was online fighting with an old Pittsburgh PR person on Twitter or Instagram, telling him to like trade me and see what happens kind of thing. This doesn't look good for an organization that we've already said we don't have a huge amount of faith in how they're running that team at the moment. Uh, is Pittsburgh imploding here or is this just a mountain out of a molehill? I think to a certain extent, I don't expect this to turn into a convoluted mess like the Lev Bell situation. I think it's just Antonio Brown is having some disagreements, I believe, with the new OC, Randy Fickner. There was some sideline kind of tumult, we'll say. So obviously he's just making himself known. He's never been one to kind of shy away from making himself known if he's unhappy with it, isn't being targeted enough in his opinion. But I think overall, it's been a tough start to the season. But Antonio Brown is a professional. He's getting paid a lot of money doing Pittsburgh, so I expect that when the chips are down, he'll be back in. Transactions, or as Harry calls it, losers who didn't trade for Josh Gordon. Uh, Oakland have re-signed. Literally, some of them. Yeah, Oakland have re-signed Martavis Bryant. Is apparently this is their long-term plan. There is some sense to this. Basically, by not having him on the roster on week one and signing him in week two, his money is not guaranteed if he gets suspended. So there's a little bit to that, but it's still like this is a guy who, even when they had him on the team. They were complaining, making him run with the twos because he hadn't learned how to run one of the fucking routes. Like, I don't think that's a strong one. They picked up defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins and Clinton McDonald try and fill the very large Mac-shaped hole in that defense that, uh, let's be honest, I don't think bringing... <laughs> I don't think bringing in, like, 31-year-old defense is really going to fix that yeah, issue for you. It's, it's obviously also comes in line of the now widely shared statistic that Khalil Mack has had more sacks <laughs> than the entirety of the Oakland yeah. over the first two weeks of the season. The fans in Oakland may be a little bit unhappy with the current way this franchise is going. But it's okay because they won't need fans in Oakland soon. Or I believe that's at least what their strategy <laughs> is here. That's the thing the Chargers missed out on. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota cut uh, Daniel Carlson, signed Dan Bailey, the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. Uh, this works out great for Bailey because he gets to play for a contender, but it's also only a one-year deal, so he gets to take a shot at the free agent market next year. Given what we will be discussing in our game section, uh, it makes perfect sense, right? Yeah, I mean, look, well, I'm going to talk about this again in the next item, but uh, it's been... The importance of kickers has been really emphasised over the last few years, and it's surprising that Bailey took this long to have a job, because it isn't just a this year thing. Like, we saw some really poor kicking over the last two, mm-hmm. three seasons. Roberto Aguayo! Yeah, and, well, and a bunch of other guys <laughs> as well. Like, there's some kicking carousels on some teams. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is surprising. I don't like, if Dallas let him go because of the money, and just, ugh. It's, it, I'm glad he's found somewhere, because he still has, I think, a lot to offer as a kicker, and... It's just people think they can save money on kickers, and 
like it's just it doesn't work out all that often does it no uh the one thing that's useful on this one is if you want to have a bit of a laugh go and watch the press conference where they announced that they've done it they asked the head coach so how did you come to the decision to fire a kicker and he literally just turned to them and said did you watch the fucking game <laughs> <laughs> that's why cleveland have also cut kickers and gonzalez and um, interestingly enough their solution is to sign kicker greg joseph never kicked in the nfl before and he was below 70 percent uh, completion rate when he was kicking in college so how brown's just gonna brown uh one of these things isn't like the other as you would say we, Connor, right? yeah we did also there's, a, there's an interesting subtext to this is that we discovered that also that gonzalez was playing with a groin injury the whole season which might explain why his kicking was yeah, fucking terrible. The, the second that he got caught, he was going straight in for an MRI, and they're going to have to come to some kind of injury settlement with him to cut him, I believe. Like, just, just, this is a side point, and this is lesser to the whole Josh Gordon thing. But, like, Dorsey is a, has been a very good GM. What is going on? Yeah, it's just Hugh Jackson's a moron. Uh, yeah. I, I, the whole organization remember, remember the Josh Gordon trade looks like absolute genius work compared to the potential McCarran trade oh, God, yeah. that Hugh Jackson <laughs> nearly shoved through the door there so yeah. uh, Hugh Jackson they should probably consider moving on sooner rather than later I think I think, I think we may we may, we may only if, if we don't see a winner of them in the next two weeks we I think to. he's gone at that point the Washington Mazungos have decided to try and fix their wide receiver position by bringing in Brashad Perryman and Michael Floyd because that seems to be a good plan uh, they were apparently in trying to get the uh, trying to get Josh Gordon as well but uh, t- unsuccessfully so they must have been offering like a seventh rounder or something <laughs> like I don't know because uh, obviously this would have been a preferred landing spot for him because the Browns said that they didn't want anyone they'd rather give it to an NFC team instead but we'll see and uh, Seattle have decided that insider trading is good enough for them uh, they like their linebackers to have a bit of edge uh, so they have signed Michael Kendricks who it's come out that the sentencing for his insider trading won't be until January and let's be honest the Seattle Seahawks are not expecting to be playing then anyway bad roster move from Cleveland they could have kept him for the season yeah, and then they, uh, they released uh, defensive tackle uh, Tom Johnson who I'll be honest I didn't know who he was until uh, this came out also can we pour one out for uh, Corey, Col- uh, yeah, Corey, well, Col- Corey Coleman yeah he got yeah. he got cut by the New England Patriots to make way for another Cleveland wide receiver <laughs> god that guy just can't catch a break mainly because he's a douche and he can't catch a ball either yeah that's <laughs> true and then non-Gosh Gordon related news Fitzmagic uh, had another excellent game and decided to come out dressed as like a 70s swag pimp which was great the first of the photo of him I thought it was Conor McGregor yeah he looked very <laughs> Conor McGregor-esque and he, had, he said something very strange I'm trying to remember what it was like you could never change who you are like, just did it, I was like he was preaching humility, like we gotta be stay humble. Yeah, we gotta stay humble while like dressed as him. That man's having the happiest couple of weeks stint in his life. Did, did you see the little beard kiss he did with one of his O linemen? I did, it was so weird. Yeah. Like whenever they did something good, they just went over and they just rubbed beards together. It's so strange. Um, Michael Dixon did a drop kick kickoff. Yeah, that's revolution in the NFL. What do you have? <laughs> yes. It's the only thing interesting to happen on Monday Night Football. So no, of course, and uh, Blake Blake Bortles has decided he's going to take to Reddit and do an AMA. So we're recording this on Tuesday. I believe he's doing it tonight. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have to have a look at that. There won't be anything in this podcast about it, but keep an eye out for it. We might have some coverage from it next week on it. And with that, we're going to move on to looking at the games from last week. <laughs> 
Okay, so first up, the Josh Gordon reviews rather than the game reviews. The Ring of Josh Gordon, also known as the Ring of Honor. Uh, Minnesota at Green Bay. This is 29-29 overtime tie. I argued to nearly put this in the Gordon zone or the neutral zone as it's normally called because of how bad, as we mentioned earlier, some of the kicking was in this game. It affected both sides, especially the rookie Carlson from Minnesota who is no longer with Minnesota. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, like... Seems to not need his legs to play. He looked excellent in this game. Kirk Cousins was a bit slow out of the gates, but especially whenever he was tying up the game and throwing that two-point conversion, it looked excellently. We had some controversy in this game as well with some calls and everything. But I suppose when we look at this, was a tie the fairest outcome for this game? Were these teams that evenly matched? No, for the majority of the game, Green Bay dominated it. Uh, coming into the fourth quarter, like Minnesota, I believe, were down by down by thirteen. So obviously, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers have been working them, and like it wasn't like obviously the same kind of Green Bay offense you'd have with a fully healthy Rodgers. But it's almost kind of weird because Aaron Rodgers, when he's kind of forced to play as a pocket passer, kind of shows that he could be as probably as good at that as a Tom Brady or, or, or a Peyton Manning, that type of player. But just because he has that other skills that he shows off when he's healthy, you kind of forget that. But I think we saw here that Aaron Rodgers dominated the game after the start, and Kirk Cousins struggled mightily against a Green Bay defensive front in particular is doing well, but also a young secondary, which is already showing a fair amount of potential. But once again, we kind of get into the situation where Green Bay, like they, they have a young, interesting defense, but they let... Like to a certain extent, they let Cousins. Like that. Like there's no denying that Cousins got a bit lucky. Like you talk about that controversial call uh, where Clay Matthews got past, like where it got what a roughing the roughing passer, the passer penalty, yeah, which he really shouldn't have gotten, in my opinion. Like there's kind of there, there's different interpretations. Like, it, like there's some people arguing that it was the weight rule, like the body weight rule, and some people arguing it was some kind of he made some kind of movement that's considered to be you know uh, yes. deliberate or it was something. Like, a, it was like a pushing outwards or something too late. Yeah, or, like, like a fucking yeah. pull or something like that. <clears throat> Um, and it's like honestly I didn't see it but like what's the best thing for Minnesota is that like last season with Case Keenum Case Keenum would have like certainly tried some of those throws but they probably would have got picked off as Denver yeah. finding out to their, to their truth whereas with Kirk Cousins when the chips were down and he had to play ball he played it really well he was accurate and he made throws under the greatest type of pressure when he's getting hit and that was kind of like the most impressive thing about Kirk Cousins last season in Washington was when he was really under pressure with a really bad offensive line and was still making big plays and I think that's what Minnesota fans are most excited about that they have a quarterback who can actually go head to head with Rodgers and actually make it a competitive game so even though Green Bay should have won the fact that they didn't put it down to that Minnesota, like put it down to Kirk Cousins, he's really shown his value for like why they've paid him so much money to be their quarterback there. Yeah, no, of course, and like that's what I was gonna say, Harry. When we look at this, obviously Green Bay were dominating the majority of this game. Uh, Minnesota fans are gonna feel good about the comeback at the tail end and the the difference that they're seeing from that quarterback position. Like, do you think that this makes them important? Think that they can win it, or is this something that makes them suddenly go? right, uh, we're going to need to play a near-perfect game against Green Bay the next time we're playing them. Yeah, see, it's hard to say, because the thing is, like, what, what Fussell talks about, the, and I think he's correct in the, in the, in the balance of things, right? What the pack did was they had, like, it was, it was a, a controlling game. Like they, they suffocated Minnesota, and they didn't let Cousins have the ball until the fourth quarter where, where that, that uh, offense came alive. So I think when you look at it, and when it came down to it, like, Cousins... Probably outpassed Rodgers, who, for all of his ability and for all, he still had a fantastic game. It wasn't peak Aaron Rodgers. Now, obviously, 
what happens when Aaron Rodgers isn't doped up to the eyeballs and can move around in the pocket? Yes, you're dealing with an entirely different beast there. And I think you have to credit uh, Green Bay's game plan for shutting down Minnesota so effectively, particularly the run game, mm-hmm. uh, for most of this. But I think if you're a Minnesota fan, you come away from this saying, right, well, what we saw in the fourth quarter is if we can get ourselves into a position where we don't let ourselves get stifled and we can see we're capable of this, like Thielen and Diggs have been incredible this season, both mm-hmm. of them. And it was always like, oh, which one? Are you, you know, which one's going to be the number one? They've got two fucking number one receivers. We even saw like fucking Laquan Treadwell get involved for God's sake. Like his first touchdown, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, this yeah. is so so encouraging. And when you see like, okay, you can give us a quarter of that, give us a half of that, give us three quarters of that, give us a whole game of that. We can go toe to toe with pretty much anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. We know the defense is good. Yeah, I think I think it's only positives from here, and I think that you can't say, oh, we struggled for three quarters. It's like, look, in the at the end of the day. A team came out with a game plan to neutralize us, was doing it effectively, and we were able to... Our quarterback was good enough to adjust and overcome that, and our coaching was good enough to overjust... Um, well, not quite overcome. Mm. <laughs> match it. Yes. <laughs> but um, would have won, but for some horrible kicking. I think you've got to take positives from you that. You do. Terrible kicking, and also you now get to play them at home later on in the yep. season when you've presumably got more time to install this new quarterback in, so you've got to be quite happy. We'll move into the neutral zone, or as I said, the Gordon zone. Uh, here we're going to look at Kansas City at Pittsburgh, 42 to 37. If you like offense, this was the game for you. Pat Mahomes has kind of announced his arrival in the NFL. He threw six touchdowns and no picks. That means that he's now scored 10 touchdowns in his first two games, which is now the record for the NFL quite remarkable they got an entirely different mix of players into it this time so Travis Kelsey who was held to almost nothing the previous game had two touchdowns we had Steelers just don't cover tight ends wearing 87 do they no they just don't seem to at all Uh, we also had Sammy Watkins coming in here and go for over 100 yards it was just it was remarkable that they were just able to constantly find things Uh, Pittsburgh Floundered a lot in the first in the first quarter specifically, <laughs> uh, where the Chiefs very rapidly went twenty one to nothing up. Momentum looked to be swinging even further in the Chiefs' favour whenever they had a defensive strip and a return for a touchdown, but that was called back on some kind of phantom PI play from Orlando Scandrick. Apparently, uh, no one has yet to see the fucking video evidence of that yet. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it, you cheating ref <laughs> bastards. But yeah, no. And then uh, Pittsburgh suddenly realised that they have lots of good offensive weapons, although Brown was kept relatively quiet and uh, came back into it tied it up in the, going into the halftime uh, but then Kansas were able to keep up the, the pace at the tail end so lads what are we like is this offence from Kansas City one that can take them full distance or is the fact that there is essentially no defence here uh, at all going to stop them yeah, like my favourite stat so far is that by DVOA yeah. advanced stats Kansas City number one offence number one special teams dead last defence yep um I don't think this offense is going to take them all the way. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> fucking Sammy Watkins on the end around. Who the fuck's all that coming? Yeah, that's like, good, Greg. Um, do you see him? Do you see him tackling the, or pushing through the guy? For yeah, the yards it, 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 it was fantastic. <laughs> but like, yeah, look, Mahomes obviously got something special, which we didn't really see in his, his cameos last season. But obviously, a lot of work's been done. It was interesting. Um, the interview he did uh, this week, where he's talking about. Uh, what he learned from Alex Smith, and I'm like, you're the least Alex Smith player I've seen in my life. I don't know what that was, but clearly it worked. Yeah. But like, I think there's two problems. This firstly, again, we see this consistently with Andy Reid teams. They start the season very, very hot, but the the depth isn't there to sustain this. Now, this is a ludicrously hot start, so it might give them more of a like a ramp down. Mm. But you do wonder as they come up against um, other teams, it might be, be a different situation. Also. To pump the brakes slightly, this Pittsburgh defense is absolutely brutal. Uh, like they they couldn't contain Tyrod fucking Taylor. Like this is, and he's 
did not look good this week again. The whole... There's something off with the Steelers. They look very, like, wobbly at this point. And you, yeah, obviously, you can only be what's in front of you, and fair play to Kansas City for just boat racing them, like. Mm-hmm. But you do think that a team that's more solid in defense and can stifle that a bit, but also have an effective offensive output is going to is going to be a problem for this. Is this team good enough to win the division? Like, fucking absolutely. Like, I mean, again, like we've seen the Chargers sort of like have two squash matches. The Raiders look terrible. The Broncos look terrible. Mm-hmm. I, like, this is very, very exciting for Kansas City. It's not going to be enough with that bad, bad defense. The good teams are going to be able to overhaul them. But this is the start of something. You have the pieces to build around on the offense. Two, three years down the line, this is potentially a powerhouse. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously on the defensive side of the ball, there's a few players who are hoping to get back. So Barry is not playing at the moment, probably not back for another week or two. Uh, I think the strong start allows him to slow his return as well, which, to be honest, I'd rather have him healthy than rushing him out a bit early. So there's questions on that. But, Ron, when we look at the Steelers team, so... They're 0-1-1 at the moment, uh, even in this game where they where they scored 37 <laughs> points. Is this just a, a spot that like they just they fell too far behind to be able to make it back in this game? Or is this just a team that is sputtering a little bit and was able to score these points because there is no defence in Kansas City? Like I, I don't think there's a major problem in the offence in terms of the talent. It's still generating a lot of offence. Um, and, and, and the encouraging thing is, you know, last week they did it um, their offense kind of came through James Conner, had a really big week. This week, James Conner is fairly quiet, but they get a load of yards from Jesse James and Smith-Schuster. Obviously, Antonio Brown's been quiet in both weeks, but we've already discussed that, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on the Antonio Brown situation, but I assume AB will be fine. So they don't seem to be missing Lev Bell too much, but on the other hand, there was certainly, uh, in terms of the play calling and the tactical decisions from Mike Tomlin in particular in the second half, when they were really down by a lot like they went down a lot especially in the uh, third quarter and they kind of made a, few, a decision on a few few occasions that you know in a game where basically Ben Roethlisberger and Patrick Mahomes were getting first downs almost at will the kind of reluctance from Mike Tomlin to kind of go for it on fourth and short on several situations and decide to punt it was a bit unusual especially for Mike Tomlin because he's someone I would have traditionally considered to be someone who's yeah. like plays the numbers play like is willing to go on fourth down willing to take those two point conversions even though they're not necessary at certain points so I think just that conservatism on relying on a defense which just doesn't look good right now like it did pretty well against what we can kind of now see as an anemic Cleveland offense but based on that first half alone there just isn't that much reason to believe that they were going to be able to get as many stops as they needed. And even though they got a safety in the fourth quarter, that was kind of at the point where the game was already out of hand. So I think they were good enough Like they were good enough to win last week. They probably should have won last week because they let a 14-point a uh, lead fall away. This week, they, they could if they'd been more aggressive, they might have been able to keep in the boat race a bit longer rather than let it tail off in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to panic yet except about that defense. I think they just need to decide... like. That defense without Ryan Shazier just isn't the same unit. They need to realize that, play like that, and stop pretending that it's like they're just going to become that great defense that obviously Pittsburgh fans expect to have. They have a crappy defense right now. They have to play as if they, that was actually true. Yeah, of course. And they have a, a an interesting one in front of them next because they are traveling uh, to Tampa Bay to take on the unstoppable juggernaut that is Ryan Fitzpatrick next week. So it'll be an interesting one. We'll see how that goes for them. Uh, down to the Gordon Fire, the dumpster fire section. Houston at Tennessee, seven. 17- to 20. I'll be honest, I watched fuck all of this because it was brutal. Tennessee's biggest play came on a fake punt. Marcus Mariota is still not able to feel his hand or something, so he's he's still out. Deshaun Watson 
just like it's a bad offensive line he's not as quick as he was beforehand and as I said my take on him previously was that he was throwing up far too many 50-50 balls and just hoping that his two very good wide receivers were coming down with them they came down with a lot of them in in that 5-6 game patch last season it's coming back down to earth that they are not being caught as often now and he's suddenly seeing probably a little bit more maybe why you shouldn't always be throwing those types of passes surely though this is a game that Houston should have won. They're playing Blaine fucking Gabbert. Yeah, like this is extremely worrying for Houston. You know, obviously week one didn't exactly go well either. But I think against a Tennessee team, which they got, you know, probably like they got like over double, I think the yards of them where they were beaten by basically a special teams play that went 66 yards, which was half the total yards that Blaine Gabbert got. Like, it's extremely worrying. Like you know, like they did some good things. Like the offense certainly looked a lot better this week than it did against uh, New England. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Deshaun Watson, you know, he's getting a little bit back into it. But yeah, there's definitely just a li- like it's just it, it it looked better, but just didn't look like that amazing offense that we saw for those few weeks where he he cameoed last week. Like, uh, and it's kind of worrying, especially because it's not just that the offensive line is bad, but that he's kind of. Same, similar to how Russell Wilson is this season, he's kind of flittering about trying to compensate it for too much. And I think like that was particularly obvious with the way that this game ended. You know, it was a you know it was a, a situation with you know eleven seconds left on the clock. Um, you need to know your situational awareness. And instead of like going for either a hail mary or going for a quick out to the sideline, Deshaun Watson danced behind the line, like got out of the pocket and danced behind the line for basically the whole amount of time, and then threw it well short of the end zone. Uh, to to um, DeAndre Hopkins and the game ends like that's just incredibly worrying to see from a, a quarterback that last season could do no wrong yeah. or at least that his good was so good it could compensate for it and it just feels like that small step down even though the defense is actually okay at the moment just means that the offense it'll do things this season but just feels a bit stupid it doesn't feel like it has a, a purpose or a rhythm yet maybe they can find it there was some sparks here but you know, you have to be worried as a Texans fan about where this team, where this franchise is going to be in uh, six to eight weeks. Yeah, it means people might start to realize that Bill O'Brien's not actually that good a coach. Mm. I've, been saying, coach. I've been <laughs> saying it for a long time. Just to cut on that, it was actually 17 seconds, not 11 seconds, which is oh, so. But that's it just emphasizes the point further. So much time to get that ball. Like even even if you throw it into the middle of the field for 10 yards, you probably have enough time to get spike it and do a Hail Mary. Like, yeah. what was he doing? It was just ridiculous. Tennessee, obviously, you get the win here. It brings him to one and one. And I'll be honest, that feels generous. <laughs> uh, like, this, this this probably should have been a tie given how bad both these teams mm-hmm. guys. Tennessee were unable to really get any kind of big play action happening. Obviously, they were hamstrung with the with the quarterback situation uh, being what it is. But they've got a stable of running backs that they should be able to get more out of. Surely, they should be game planning around stuff like this. I just... I Even though they've now gone one-on-one and I think they've got a few... Uh, like, oh, Jesus, they're going to a buzzsaw this week. They're going to Jacksonville. <laughs> but, like, is, is this a team that you think that they're going to be able to turn it around? Because the defense were terrible in this game. Yeah, but this was against a, a very, like poorly planned Houston offense. I, I don't think this team has the talent to turn around. Like We saw both the running backs struggled quite mm-hmm. badly. And Gabbert poses no threat. Mariota looked very bad in the first week as well. So you think teams are going to be able to continue to shut down that running game once they realize that the passing threat just isn't there at the moment. The yeah. wide receivers are a mess. They've lost Delaney Walker. And um, brought in Johnny Smith, who did absolutely nothing at tight end. Like This, was a, just a, this game was just ugly. And this is an ugly team uh, that's going to play ugly. And like I don't want to watch this team 
ever again until they get their shit together to be honest with you like there's nothing positive so you're not going to watch them for the next two seasons huh? <laughs> that's okay like I mean this is the thing it's like they, they won but it's a win that you really can't take any positives from other than the fact that you won and you had a nice fake punt like it's I'm just struggling really to see the I'm struggling to see where this team goes like this 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 now looks to me I'm like do you have the pieces to build around I'm, I'm not sure you do yeah. like this team seems in a rut it's a team that was a playoff team last year although that was they're fortunate to be let's be honest and it looks like they've regressed yeah it's ridiculous maybe they should put Kevin Byard in at quarterback <laughs> quarterback in the team yeah <laughs> fuck it yeah. why not no that was shocking so yeah we will wrap it up there and we'll move on to some questions from the listeners so this is questions from the listeners or questions from the Gordons. Well, you really, you really went to every single title, didn't I did, you? Yeah, right? I did, yeah. Um, okay, so first up, it says, which would be a bigger sign of the apocalypse? Bortles winning the Super Bowl or Andy Reid winning it? Bro, probably Andy Reid's. Bortles was like on the game and a bit away from it uh, last year. Although, he has, has he regressed? He kind of had his up game, down game again, didn't he? Well, I think... You know, that's the thing. I think, like, it's just the legacy is so long with Andy Reid that it would be a bigger sign of the apocalypse. Like, Blake Bortles is young yet. Andy Reid has been doing this for decades. Yeah. Like, um, like, 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 Blake Bortles is, like, a properly random process that just, like, he can spike up and be great just, like, randomly. Whereas Andy Reid is obviously just incapable of winning the Super Bowl <laughs> uh, and winning playoff games. He's so good. He's great at everything else except for time management. But uh, winning playoff games, getting winning Super Bowls—that's just not Andy Reid's bag. Like, mm. you just want a good, successful franchise, but without any Super Bowl rings, Andy Reid's the best coach out there. Yep, Connor does not believe that for one second. No, no, no. I think uh, I think he's, he's going to be making a run over the next three or four years with this thing. It's going to be his last run, really, as a coach, and I think he's building it up now with uh, the young guy. We'll see how how they develop from there. Uh, like it's I said, the Dan Marino of coaches. There you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. He really is, actually. Yeah, so we'll go with that. And uh, next up, uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is a, a from from, from Mary and Mark Evan Honia. Yeah, this isn't for a listener. <laughs> uh, how many records is Josh Gordon going to break in New England? It's all of them, isn't it? Isn't it? No, he is yeah. not. He's not going to have the most net punch yards of all time. Uh, excuse me, like he is going to have that. He's going to have the most sacks of all time. He's got the most interceptions, the most tackles. He's going to break everything. He's going to pump the ball to himself and then return it. I know that's not in the rules, but he's going to find a way to do it. <laughs> Very good. I, I, I think this will be intriguing as long as he doesn't get too excited about going to New England and spark one off to celebrate. Yeah, uh, it's legal in Massachusetts now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot legal, legal in the NFL. No, no, uh, no. Sad times. But no, that'll be good. We've got a few other questions, but we'll leave it at that because we're going to swing in through the, through the games for next week. So the picks or the Josh Gordons, as they're called. Uh, <laughs> this is really getting tedious at this point. Um, oh, I guess worse. Don't worry. Yeah, no worries. So New York Jets at Cleveland. Can't believe it. We're, we're all going Cleveland across the board here. Uh, so addition by subtraction, presumably, without Josh Gordon there to be a distraction. Uh, and with this significantly inferior kicker brought in, we're just believing in Cleveland. Right, Ronan? Yeah, like I think it's, it's a case that They've lost, the Cleveland lost to good offenses. They lost to, you know, like good quarterbacks. Sam Darnold has shown some promise, but do I trust Sam Darnold to bring it back against Miami? He couldn't do it against Cleveland, even though it's Cleveland. We'll see if he can do it. I think we're all just really in on this Cleveland defense. Yeah. yeah. That should be enough at home against the New York Jets. Should indeed. Good Buffalo for Josh. Buffalo at Minnesota. We've oh sorry, yeah, we've all gone for Minnesota here. I don't think there's much <laughs> uh, much question about this. 
Um, it's a good thing capital punishment is still legal in the States because this is a public execution. Oh, it is. Like, this is just oh going to be God. like. I presume Minnesota are just going to mostly start like second and third stringers just to see what their depth is but like. It's, what, it's exactly what the Chargers did last week. They spent like three quarters playing with their backups. Yeah, like why the fuck wouldn't you? Uh, so Minnesota across the board. And New York Giants at Houston. I've gone for New York. Fitz gone for New York. Harry's gone for. Houston, uh, in fact, he said death shall come on swift wings to him that watches this game. This game is going to be fucking horrendous. It is. I, and in fact, so horrendous that according to your abbreviation, you've picked the New York Yankees to win this game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, 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 there's not much to talk about here. I, I think these are both two bad teams. I think we know this. Um, I think that what swung this for me was how astoundingly inept the Giants looked against a very weak Dallas team mm-hmm. um, they have Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham and they have no idea how to use either of them they have a, an O-line that is still a complete and utter mess their defence again has talent and names in it just look terrible and they are flattered with a last second touchdown to bring it to them one score against a team that is also very bad so yeah I think Houston have just shown a little more New York at this stage yeah no of course next up Green Bay at Washington we've taken Green Bay across the board Ronan yeah, like I think Washington, a bit of a come down after a good week one, uh, kind of getting blown out by Indianapolis for all by all accounts. Mm. Uh, Green Bay, we saw this week, even with injured Aaron Rodgers, are still playing a high level of football. The defense is perhaps better than we expected. It just feels like Green Bay, again, like an elite team like Green Bay with elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, just tend to beat the kind of Alex Smiths of the world um, unless they have really good supporting cast in Washington. They're kind of maybe close to what we thought in terms of just being a mediocre, okay team. Not yeah. enough to take on a Green Bay team like this. No, of course. Uh, next up, San Fran at Kansas City. We're taking Kansas City across the board. Mahomes looks really good. San Fran, while there's bright sparks on it, don't look like a complete team at the moment. They've got some injuries there. This, again, has the potential for being a boat race for the crack just because uh, Kansas City don't have a defense, but it's their first home game of the season. So this should be uh, good fun to watch. So KC across the board there. Oakland at Miami. Oh, my God. We've gone for Miami across the board. Like Oakland are terrible, but... But Harry, this is saying that Miami will go 3-0? and Yeah, after last week. I had to defend this one last week as well. Look, again, Miami just look fine. They look like an 8-8 eight eight team that's got a soft starting schedule. Yeah. And that's what they are. Oakland, your quarterback completes 90 fucking percent of his passes and you lose the game. What's yeah. really interesting, very brief note on this, is that apparently, in the first half, when they were clicking very really well, John Gruden basically gave play-calling duties over to Derek Carr and said, just audible the line, whatever, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it, it kind of worked. But again, the defense is terrible, and when push came to shove, the offense isn't good enough, and Miami have shown their defense has looked reasonably solid, their offense has looked bleh, but Oakland are just they're just going to lose games that, they, that should be you know they're going to lose close games because they just have an edge in bad coaching the other right one now. is also they have a big bit of a big big travel for this one so true, uh, yeah. it's, it's a rough one to go across well, that was, it, was Derek Carr just at the line going spider white banana <laughs> yeah. you, you get it no two no two just spider white banana is like, no you're doing it wrong <laughs> yeah. Indianapolis at Philly we've gone for Philly across the board uh, Fitz Indianapolis they're actually they've played pretty tough the first two weeks uh, had a bad loss to Cincinnati uh, but they actually looked okay. Andrew Luck looks to be kind of like the Andrew Luck of old in the sense that he throws a lot of picks, but he also um, <laughs> throws a lot of touchdowns. He's just whereas I think you know Philly, they bring Carson Wentz back. They're a bit banged up, but they're at home. We expect with all the talent on their defense, they should be able to get through an overperforming O line, but still playing pretty low level players. So I think it just if the Philly off defensive line can play up to its potential, yeah. get that Andrew Luck, 
then he'll throw more picks and Philly should have a chance to win, uh, especially if Carson Wentz is the player that we expect him to be. Yeah, on the slide, the one thing that will be interesting in this game is to just see what Carson Wentz looks like on his way back. Uh, Tennessee at Jacksonville, we've gone for Jacksonville across the board. Why? Because Jacksonville are good and Tennessee are a bag of shit. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati at Carolina, we've gone for Carolina across the board. Harry? Yeah, um, this is this actually. I think we'll go for Carolina. But I feel it's a closer, closer game this. than yeah, that suggests. I think yeah. for me, the, uh, the the issue here is like I think we saw Carolina's defense look very good against the Falcons, and credit Steve Sarkeesian for coming up with some different fucking red zone plays, but whatever. Um, I think we've seen them look pretty solid. Cincinnati, I think, have looked much better than I thought they'd be, but. You know, there's a few injuries on that team. There's still a lot of sort of sloppy mistakes we've seen through the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that on the road in Carolina is necessarily going to be the place where we see that um, get resolved. Yeah, no, of course. Who is worse at running between the tackles? Christian McCaffrey or Gio Bernard? Find out this week. <laughs> Christian, Christian McCaffrey had like one or two really good breaking tackle runs in the game last week, and I was just I was very surprised to see it. Yeah, uh, Christian McCaffrey fucking trucked Sean Lee in week one, and at that point I was like, uh oh, so someone's been at the steroids, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time we saw Christian McCaffrey play because his nipples were bleeding through his shirt, and I was the only one who noticed, and it was really weird. Yeah, that was quite strange. Uh, next up, we have Denver at Baltimore. I'm still up in the air about this one to be honest uh, but I'm oh, gonna, Connor, you have to predict something I'm going to go with Baltimore because they're at home but uh, we've gone for Baltimore across the board here yeah Fitz do you want to tell us why we're going for Baltimore because I'm not 100% sure I think it's one of those cases where the uh, Denver Broncos have looked okay they beat Oakland eventually but Case Keenum <laughs> has been very 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 careless with the ball and the Baltimore Ravens, I think we all consider it to be, even though they're missing Jimmy Smith, the defense usually can step up at home. So I expect it's just one of those cases that Case Keenum will give the ball too much to Baltimore and they'll be able to grind it out and take the ball away from them. Uh, it might be close. If, if Denver just played Philip Lindsay all the time. Yeah, it might be shot. close. But it just feels like Baltimore get back on track, get the ball away from Case Keenum and get back on, uh, like get back in the AFC North Hunt. Yeah, it's very close. Both of these are kind of teams we don't really have a good read read on yet but we kind of more trust in that team in Baltimore just yeah. in general no of course uh, especially with Denver being on the road as well New Orleans at Atlanta uh, this is my pick of the week so I've gone for New Orleans and the other guys have gone for Atlanta uh, basically I think this is an interesting game both teams that have somewhat underperformed to where people would expect them to be Atlanta looking the better of the two teams but now they're missing kind of some key pieces on that defence whether or not they'll be a little bit more exposed New Orleans looked pretty brutal against the Browns for like three and a half quarters of that game but then looked really good for the last six minutes so maybe they can carry that across to it but I think these are the kind of matchups that are going to end up being offense heavy and be quite exciting and I'm always going to look at Drew Brees and have a little bit more faith whenever like Atlanta one of their games their offense was entirely Julio Jones who can't catch a touchdown to save his life so uh, we'll see how it goes but I'm going to go with New Orleans for the upset there uh, LA Chargers at LA Rams oh the LA off so actually I suppose which one? So the Chargers count as being away in this game, even though it's in the same city, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Also, they play at a football stadium, and this is in yeah, a they play at a uh, So we've all we, we've all gone for the Rams in this one. Harry Jones, as well. Yeah, I mean, they, look, the Chargers have looked okay, but they've had they they haven't really been challenged, shall we say, over the first two weeks. This Rams team, I suppose you could probably argue that they they've had a very easy matchup uh, so far as well, but that defense looks astonishingly good. I think there's going to be much more of a challenge for them than like your Arizonas or your Oaklands are going to pose. But I just feel like the talent there is, is something else. We saw a game where, you know, uh, it, 
Todd Gurley didn't massively get going and they were like actually we have the talent outside to pick you apart if you want to shove eight men in the box on every single play and I just feel that that for me it's like this is going to be fun I think this is actually going to be a good game I think this is going to be a real battle between two teams uh, with a lot of strengths on them but for me the Rams are kind of just a superior unit in more or less all three phases I would say to what is an increasingly good Chargers team but one that feels I think a lot more fragile and shallow than the Rams yeah of course I'm expecting a blowout myself but we'll see I'm, uh, I'm looking at the next one is Chicago at Arizona we've taken uh, Chicago oh. across the board oh wow uh, yeah this is not going to be a fun game to watch uh, Arizona are bad they made it across the, across the halfway line once against the Rams and that was the last drive of the game yeah they had I think I can't remember if it's four or five first downs in the entire game and two or three of them came on the final drive how many sacks for Mac? many Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> like you could about pass for less than hundred yards. For yeah. God's sake. Like he laughed at me when I was saying I'm contemplating sitting Johnson. Like uh, he didn't get because they're so bad that they'll just stack everyone in there. Who did you sit for? I didn't sit him in the end, but I should have because uh, the two other options both scored more. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have Dallas at Seattle. Oh, sorry, yeah, we're taking Chicago because they have defensive pieces <laughs> and they have an offense. They're they're a football team, unlike uh, <laughs> unlike Arizona. Uh, Dallas at Seattle. I've gone for Seattle. Uh, Harry's gone for Seattle, and Fitz has gone for Dallas. Traitor. Uh, interesting. Uh, I'm going for Seattle because uh, Dallas are on the road. They haven't looked convincing. Seattle haven't looked convincing, but they have some pieces there. I just I just really don't rate this Dallas team. And I don't think they're going to travel particularly well. Uh, Fitz? Yeah, I think this is one of those... Like, two years ago, this is a, you know, a top top of the card uh, game, but now it's two teams which definitely feel like they're about a year out from another rebuild, um, even though they, they have their quarterback and they have their running backs, presumably. Uh, so it's just one of those weird games with, with two teams that are currently underperforming where you expect them to be. And Seattle... Uh, if Bobby Wagner and KJ Ryder back, maybe I give them more of a chance. But based on what they did against a Bears offense, which I just don't rate at all, I just feel like Dallas will be able to do enough there uh, yeah. to get there. Because that Seattle offense is just looking so bad. And the one bright spot for Dallas this year has been their defensive line, which is basically Seattle's kryptonite. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, New England at Detroit. This is Harry's Josh Gordon pick of the week. Uh, we've all gone for New England. Harry? Yeah, it's my Josh Gordon of the week, actually. And uh, as you can see, I haven't gone for New England. I've just written Josh Gordon in the uh, in the uh, picks slot. Least tired meme ever. <laughs> no, this meme will never get tired, like Josh Gordon. Uh, it will keep going for the whole season. Look, seriously, though, like... Detroit, Detroit have, and they've lost their best uh, cornerback as well. They've looked absolutely lost. And, and who's their head coach? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you think Bill Belichick might not have a pretty good idea what their playbook is going to be like? Yeah. Like, no, uh, Detroit are all over the place at the moment. They look utterly bereft of ideas on both sides of the ball. Um, New England, having got our traditional crushing early season loss out of the way uh, should be in a much much better position going into this game and Josh Gordon is going to score like three touchdowns yeah we'll see on three snaps we'll see Pittsburgh at Tampa Bay I'm so tempted to change my pick in this actually uh, I've gone for Pittsburgh Fitz has gone for Tampa Bay ride the lightning boys I'm so tempted to this, especially with the pimp outfit and everything mm-hmm. and actually that, that Pittsburgh defense didn't look great I'm so, I'm so yeah but I just think their offense is very good uh, yeah but Tampa Bay have the Fitz magic show you're right you've convinced me I'm going for the Tampa Bay we're going to have 
they're gonna have Steelers dropping right, dropping to O two and one. What a start that would be. Yeah, uh, see you're looking at it the wrong way because Tampa scored forty eight points in week one and twenty seven points in week two. So logically they're gonna score six points this week. They only scored twenty seven points last week. I think so. I thought they scored a lot more. He threw four touchdowns, didn't he? Checking. <laughs> no twenty seven. Oh, seven. In oh, yeah. Philadelphia, one of the better defenses in the league. I, I think, look. Uh, reference. <laughs> for me. <laughs> anyway, this is actually my pick of the week. All right. Uh, Non-Josh Gordon pick of the Boom. week. My Fitzmagic pick of the week, if we're going to go with theme. Uh, obviously, repping the Fitzpatrick name, a great and honored mm-hmm. name of, uh, of people. But, like, yeah, like, yeah, once we turn around and say Fitzmagic is great, this Tampa bit is amazing. Let, let's all get on the bandwagon. This is obviously the moment where they'll choose to like just like absolutely destroy themselves. Yeah. That's fair yeah. enough, Harry. That's fair enough, Connor, in your initial assessment. But if they keep doing this, if they go 3-0 and after everyone writing them off, after, you know, and this will probably keep Jameis Winston off the field. Yeah, that's what I'm backing it for. Brilliant to see. That would be like the best thing ever. And like, it's magic, love and life, playing well. It's just a fun team to watch right now. And even though their defense is complete cack, we saw that in a shootout, Pittsburgh maybe don't quite have the same kind of firepower as they may have had last mm. season with Left Bell out and AB being a little bit disgruntled. So, you know, Tampa Bay, it's a risky pick. I realise that. But I want to ride this lightning, see where it goes. Yeah. And, you know, Tampa Bay as, as an NFC contender is just something that would be Hilarious. amazing to see. Yeah. Come on, come on, Fitzmagic, do it, do it for the Brad Fitzpatrick. I just, I, just I, I actually, I want to see them win just to see what he does in the post press conference if he gets three <laughs> wins like that. There, uh, that'll be brilliant. But yeah, so that'll wrap us up for this week. Uh, any crack yourselves for the rest of the week for the weekend, boys? Not really. I'm quite busy at work at the moment, so uh, just football is tidying me over until uh, the next project comes out. Fair enough with yourself, Harry. Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, Josh fair Gordon. enough. I got my I got my Mahomes jersey today in the post from China. Definitely a legit NFL reseller and not a copy imitation. But yeah, it's great. Great value as well, 15 euros. <laughs> it's uh, very nice. Yeah, I've got nothing mad planned. I don't think I'm just doing study now because I'm facing in towards exams. So I think I'll have one more, uh, I think just one more podcast with yourselves and then I'll be on hiatus for a week or two while I'm uh, knee-deep in horrendous maths and statistics exams so that'll be fun but yeah sorry we do we do we do our best work away from the person who controls the flow of the podcast yeah it, it, uh, it always seems so well directed when i'm not here <laughs> what do you want to talk about uh, josh gordon uh, mm. C-Hawk, whatever. but yeah so uh, look forward i'm gonna go down to the woolshed this weekend to watch the games oh, yeah. uh, with some scary strangers from the internets uh but we'll see should be should be good crack um, like mortals yeah invite him on the AMA. actually that's what we're gonna do we're gonna go home and gonna talk to Josh Gordon in the AMA and I'm also going to aggressively go after waiver wire targets now I've realised that it's actually two to four weeks of mixing us out I didn't realise it was that long until we started doing the podcast yep. but yeah so is that'll wrap us up for now as always hit us up with questions on Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff uh, and I suppose it's bye from myself bye from Harry stay Gordon bye, <laughs> bye from Ronan bye uh, this has been all four quarters thanks for listening and we'll chat to you next week